When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. In episode 442 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Neil Hilton, he's Neil MSN, and today, Emil, we've got some work to do. First, it's to make sense of what is, in my view, the worst played match of the season for Barcelona against Ameria, and then we got to discuss the El Clasico, which is taking place in just about 48 hours from now. So, yeah. other than all that business to do, which doesn't really sound too much fun, how are you doing? Not too bad. What a difference a couple of weeks makes, huh? Yeah, I must say that. Fortunately, I think for you and I, we're not going to get into all the NBA talk, but fortunately, mm-hmm. because it's post-All-Star break and all that stuff and trade deadline, that the games finally matter, and those are finally a little bit of fun. So it, it's good that even in the during the daytime, I'm taking my lumps, and at night, I have DVR'd a ton. For the kids, that means that you save it on, on your cable box or whatever. Yes. So, so I have a bunch of games always DVR'd from the day before, two days before, and mm-hmm. you, know, you just power through them as I'm editing or as I'm thinking about stuff. So the first thing I actually have to do is apologize almost. I, I went in on Eric Garcia, and I think it's a good place to start, actually. I went in on Eric Garcia about the depth of Barcelona in the Liga, about how they were supposed to win all those things. And I got it wrong that I, I had misremembered that I, it was Eric Garcia that stepped on the ball that went out to the wing that was delivered back in for Torre, but it was Christensen who was actually held up by Torre and spun off him and scored the goal. So okay. I actually got the defender wrong. I, I, you know, for someone who's defended Eric for so long, I feel like now it's finally even that I, I criticized him for something that he didn't do. But yeah, I, I think that's a good place to start that. I, I think a lot of people said after that game that 
Alonzo and well, even though he didn't even start, but Alonzo and Eric and Roberto and Kessie and Alba and even Ferran Torres, they were mentioning, and obviously Ansu, who was injured, didn't feature. But there was just a ton of names that obviously after losses like that, people throw out and say, hey, those players, get them out of my club. Those are the players that have to be sold. And I was just not to say defending those players, but I was so vehement that that team, the 11 that was on the field, played like hot garbage. Like yeah. as a unit, that team played awful. So either sell all of them or keep yeah. all of them. And that means you don't sell all of them because I thought as a unit, it was really, really bad. And then as, you know, even again, the Eric mistake I made, but trying to pull apart individuals or try to create a trend of, hey, last time Barcelona, the only Barcelona losses this season are with in the Liga, which again, there's only one of them, are with Eric, Busquets, and Roberto. And it seems like that's where Barcelona dropped points is when those three start together. And there might be a little something there, but I don't certainly think that's everything at all. I think this team was not ready for, after the emotional letdown of Manchester United, they were not ready for this match. They were not ready for the intensity of a a team at home who actually is third best in the Liga at home and was fighting relegation. A team that, with Ruby, knew them really, really well. That being Barcelona, the whole Entorno everything, knew them really well and just took it to them. They got punched in the mouth and they didn't have the pieces. And we're going to talk about why, but they didn't have the pieces to, to recover in any way. Yeah, I mean, going in, I kind of... The emotional letdown was predictable. Uh, maybe not the extent to which they were emotionally let down post-Man United. But, you know, you could kind of see that coming. And I think there might have been a certain element of... Not necessarily that you can mail in a game against Almeria and win, but you know you don't have to be firing on all, on all cylinders and on top of your game to to get full points against them. And I also think maybe to an extent, Real Madrid dropping points, you know, earlier in the weekend against you know in the Madrid derby, you almost mentally bank the 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 extra two points when you're playing a team like Almeria, or at the very least, you figure, okay, even if we have a nightmare, we're not going to come out with worse than a draw. And you figure you're just not going to lose ground in the league. So, I mean, I, th- I think there was a certain element of, of a perfect storm for the players who did take part to maybe not put their best foot forward. And then on top of that, of course, there's the absence of Pedri and absence of Usman Dembele. And, you know, that, that, the second one's not necessarily – that didn't just happen in this match. But, I mean, my biggest takeaway just – I don't know, my biggest just kind of visceral feeling watching the game – Constantly was just the the rest of the Barca squad just absolutely bolstered Pedri and Dembele's Ballon d'Or cases just in their absence. You know, I mean, there felt there was so little edge, and it just even they controlled the ball, and they would, I mean, for for spells and here and there they sort of flirted heavily with getting into dangerous positions, and sometimes even got into dangerous positions, and then absolutely nothing came of it. And it just, and I remember just looking around the pitch and I was at a loss for who is the person that can, you know, in a moment like this, like, who's your, who's your true bucket getter? Who's your playmaker, you know, and uh, to immediately lapse into NBA chat. And I know Lewandowski's hurt and will be out for, for the classical I just read with a hamstring injury. But the, the one thing that I was thinking in looking at Lewandowski and for as great as he's been, I'm not you know, trying to kind of go in on him or anything like that. As I was watching the game, the same sort of old school NBA comp kept popping into my head for him. And it was Carl Malone. Where, who is this? For, Carl for Malone. Who? For who? 
Well, oh, Lewandowski. Oh, Lewandowski. Okay. Yeah, because sort of he is, you know, spectacularly good at what he's good at, but he's not really going to dictate the setup of, of what it is. And in the absence of, you know, dynamic players to get him the ball, it it, it really kind of shone. And I mean, it wasn't only him. I, I don't want to single him out. But, I mean, that is the kind of player that you hope in a moment like that, in a game like that, can can pop up, yeah. get into the right spot, and just punch home a goal, you know? That's really sad because I... I and also, by the way, no comparisons to Lewandowski and Karl Malone outside of the theaters of competition. Right. Well, I was going to say that. Uh, same thing with anybody passing the ball to them, very much like John Stockton. No comparison there to anything like that. Uh, exactly. not, not a comment to John Stockton. Don't, I say both those guys, don't Google them off the, off the court, certainly. Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah. And that one makes me sad, too, because Lewandowski, I don't know. I mean, I hear you. That's great. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the number of points that, that Carl Malone put up, but I, I do think that, how do I say this? I do think that Lewandowski has a way of potentially like contributing to trophies in a way that Carl Malone may never have done. Um, he didn't. But, <laughs> but in terms of contributing to winning, you know, you'd think that Lewandowski would be the big difference here. But mm-hmm. after that match, I come away going, I think Farron Torres was actually a net positive from that match. And yeah. Ter Stegen was a net neutral. And then mm-hmm. everybody else, I mean, maybe De Young was a net neutral, but I think everybody else can put themselves in almost in a negative light, where even to the likes of Alba, did Alba do anything wrong? No, but Alba's crosses were so poor in that match where yeah. I felt like after watching it, well, that makes the first leg of Man United look even worse, where you go, yeah. the gap between Balde and Alba just grows. I mean, that's a compliment to Balde and great for the future. But Absolutely. for this season yeah. alone, like the, the, the gap between those two, and then to think when Alonso comes in as, as a left back, yes, as a left center back where he came in, that's fine. But when he comes in as a left back, the gap between Alba and Alonso then, for, from Balde to Alba to Alonso, is... Yeah, I mean, so you're taking like two steps down from it, Balde. It's like, a, it's like a Tom and Jerry cartoon falling down the steps, right? It's yeah. like this big, exaggerated, like, hop down. And, and to say how good Pedri yeah. is, 73% is the number here. Barcelona has won 70%, uh, 73% of their games in the Liga with him this season, or since, he, since his first season at the club. So in totality. We're talking about the time he was injured and everything last season as well. So Barcelona has, in 70 games with him, won 51 of them, drawn 11, and lost just eight. And he is so important. And he's actually, with him in tow, Xavi has captured 90% of all the Liga points. It's when he's missing where all the problems happen. Like, th- those are overwhelming numbers, like 90%, 73%. And the other one here is, I know the idea of he doesn't pick up assists, that's the problem. But as I said, like, that one I don't really care about so much, not only because he picked up his goal scoring in recent in, in recent two months, but Pedri has also score, uh, created more goal scoring chances without having a single assist than any other player in Europe's top five leagues with 35, which puts him in the top five percentile in goal scoring chances created in all of Europe but he doesn't have a single assist and that's totally fine because he is such a key player to all of what Xavi does. And you could see in those four phases too. And I wrote four phases in particular. So obviously there's a first phase where Xavi attempts to try with a four midfield without Pedri to connect everything as, as that, as that right interior doesn't really work out. Then we see a chain of formation for the second half. Rafinha, obviously you have to, after they scored the goal, that being Ameria, you have to then against that medium and low block and five at the back that it became a five, 3-2, that being Almeria defending, you've got to get width. So you got to put Rafinha on, 
get as many wingers wide, that being Torres in theory, and then Rafinha on the right, Alba as well still on the left. And you try to get those wingers as wide as possible to spread things out, get a bit more direct as well against that low block in a way that Kessie doesn't, but in theory, Rafinha should have. Again, continuing to solve those problems without Pedri in buildup, it reminded me too of the late goals that he has scored, but kind of against not even the run of play, but where Barcelona are trying to make something happen through the middle of the field. And it works, even if things don't work on the wings. And then that third phase comes on where Barcelona switched to the three at the back. Araujo was still dealing with that that tightness because that's why Rafinha didn't start either, by the way. Rafinha, Kunde, Araujo, all dealing with tightness. And then apparently one other player who they didn't mention. So that pushes Alba farther forward, though, where you're now playing a three at the back with Alonso, Cousins, and Araujo. And as I said, Araujo doesn't get his day off. And then as they're pushing for the equalizer, Xavi throws on Pablo Torre and Ahor Alakan to kind of shake things up. And I felt like, you know, I tend to be yeah, pro-youth. And I, I, I think there are obviously, as I've said out there, many, many Kool-Aids, young Kool-Aids who are like, hey, the 18-year-old player, he's always the answer. The 17-year-old, you got to trust the youth. They're always going to be the chaos that that game needs. They're always going to rise to the occasion. But, you know, as I mentioned, Pablo Torre, there are, there are fundamental reasons if you watch the games that he played in, why he doesn't start regularly. It's just defensive shape-wise, uh, Barcelona are in more danger with him on the field. Same thing with Anar Alakan. You watch him at the U19s. You watch him in a few appearances with Barca B. There's still things he's refining about his game. There's still things he's learning about his positioning. There's still ways he's learning how to be helpful, even against one-on-one matchups. Like, those are two young players, and this happens to young players, that if they're physically outmatched by one player who kind of gets in their crawl or gets in their pocket, then they're going to struggle for the whole game, right? So, I mean, th- those are players that are able to be marked out of games. But the inverse of that is what we saw against Atletico Madrid for Real Madrid, that you can put on an Alvaro Rodriguez, a 17-year-old. And sometimes those 17-year-olds, as Ansu taught us those years ago when he was 16, they can kind of do, they, things can happen. And because of those two kind of ejecting that game with, with something, Something did happen, that being they want a free kick. Paulo Torre delivers a good ball off it. Alarcon gets that one shot, but also Torre delivers another ball in that Araujo is so, so close to because Araujo, that was the fourth phase then. Araujo basically plays this secondary striker, the center forward he used to do because Barcelona are desperate for a goal. But in all four of those phases, so to Xavi's credit, I guess, he tried four different things. He said, none of this is working. Let's change all this up you know, consistently. And he just kind of used the players he had and tried to figure it out. And it didn't work out because it, did he make the wrong starting decision? I don't know. I mean, their best team this year has been with those four midfielders. My fear is that, and it's going to be the fear of the next three, uh, three weeks or four weeks or however long he's out, is that without Pedri, it doesn't matter what your formation is. It doesn't matter. I mean, Demelé will be a big jolt, hopefully, but the, the formation doesn't truly matter because Pedri is so essential and necessary to combining and moving that ball side to side and creating anything through the middle. And if Barcelona are going to have 72% of possession, but can't create through the middle, that is huge problems for their attack. It makes them so simple and easy to figure out. And that was my concern that everything came from those wings. And there were just, I mean, too many crosses, 47 crosses. That's too many crosses. That's the most crosses they've had since 2005, 2006 season. That long. Like, so if you're like, oh, under Kuman, they just threw the ball in and hoped in a prayer. Xavi in his first season, it was just hoping a prayer. No, no. This is, I'm struggling to do the math here. <laughs> 17 years? I feel older and older the longer you're extending that, but <laughs> you get the point. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano. Or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. 
And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. To be honest, I mean, I, I thought the record, I thought when you were saying that, I thought it was just going to be one of the Kuman years. I didn't realize we were going back to like before the, you know, the the Ronaldinho Champions League win, you know, yeah. but wow. Yeah, they, they looked short of answers. I mean, just completely. And I mean, I did think that Alarcon and, and Torre injected something into the game that simply had not existed. I mean, I think a, a lot of what you're talking about is, in the absence of Pedri, Dembele, and even to a lesser extent, Ansu Fati, because my faith and love for uh, Ansu Fati will never die, but he hasn't been, you know, uh, the the impact player that I keep thinking that he he can become. But in their absence, yeah. I mean, there was just, there were such limited options up front. And I mean, like you said, the, you know, the, the changes that he made at the back were 
generally upgrades. I mean, like he didn't have a lot of strength to to draw upon as as far as uh, you know making substitutions, and it's tough because on the one hand, I understand where people are going in on Javi for you know setting up too conservatively and. I've seen sort of not not playing to win or not playing to aggressively win, playing to essentially grind out a win when it's unnecessary. And I mean, especially because Almeria were were have been, with the exception of this Barca match, I mean, they give up goals. You know, I mean, they had just given up was it, six to Girona. They'd given up two and you know two apiece in the games prior to that. So you know, you shouldn't be getting almost entirely blanked. You know, even in terms of shots on goal against against Almeria, but but they were. And I mean, but I do understand that also Javi's, I mean, the, the cupboard was pretty bare, you know, and with, with Lewandowski not, you know, not getting the service. And I mean, like I said, again, not to, not, not to bash Lewandowski, but he needs service to be at his best. And with him not getting the service and, you know, honestly, like Gabi getting really rattled and knocked off of his game and just, I mean, looking at, I mean, I mean, I think it's genuinely a wonder that he he didn't walk in that game. You know, I mean, it was just yeah. he he wanted a. It reminded me of me playing FIFA when I get frustrated, and sometimes you're just like, whatever. I'm just going to eat this booking because I need to take a chunk out of somebody. And mm-hmm. there there was that sort of radiating off of him. I yeah. and so in the absence of Pedri, in the absence of Dembele, and with everyone else not firing, Gabi's your best sort of hope for a stroke of individual brilliance, at least with the lineup that they had out there. And he was just not in the headspace to hunker down and, and anchor the team and guide anything. You know, I mean, if anything, they just needed to essentially shepherd him, you know, to the to the final whistle. Yeah, so I, I want to add something to the, the stat I gave you about that 05-06 season, the 47 crosses. Mm-hmm. That was a single, in one single away game. So yeah. they have done that at home five times since then. And they've drawn three of those and lost two of those. So either way, 47 crosses is not helpful to no. any bit of victory at all. And to your point about Lewandowski too, yeah, I find myself yesterday, as he, I think, rightly gets a lot of criticism for since his World Cup form has kind of dipped. But I think I do wonder what his function is against a low block. In, and this is in defense of him. That without Dembele and without Pedri through the middle, you are losing your two primary, that being pieces of, uh, or your resources of service. And so I, I think that standing in the middle there, dropping in sometimes, attracting the attention of two of Almeria's center backs, that's kind of his job. And you're putting more onus on Gabi, who I, I, I think he's not indestructible from criticism. And I, I thought that was Gabi's worst game of the season, to your point, like to add on to that. I thought, yes, his, he lost his head in a way that made me think of last year, not this year. I think he's been much more mature. He's really figured things out um, positionally, retaining the ball, getting dribbling himself out of trouble, making good decisions, when to pass, when to do X, Y, Z. And I thought his decision-making was off. I thought his, yeah, he just looked, he was like completely taken out of the game mentally, psychologically. Yeah, and that was really frustrating to watch Gabi in that, in that manner. And I think that did affect Lewandowski. I think not having Gabi be the, be the guy. And I think it's another thing too, where I don't think Kessie watching the game did in the first half anything particularly wrong. But again, it's he didn't necessarily do anything particularly right because where he was standing, the his job was to, I mean, basically just fill in for Pedri, and he just he can't do that. There's no his his ball retention, 
his, I mean, he didn't even give the ball up even. It was that he made safe passes and positionally wasn't putting himself in, in spots to, to really flourish there on the right. And, and that became a problem over and over again for Barcelona as they, again, continue to try to pepper crosses in. I think the, the Kessie-Roberto combo was a bit of an issue because, again, you don't have anybody penetrating. You don't have anybody making passes. And, I mean, Roberto, to his credit, made a few forward runs but I don't, it just, it wasn't, those passes weren't coming off with enough quality to be an issue. And I think the Manchester United argument, and again, this is to go back for not the defense of Xavi or Barcelona or anything of that, but again, I, I wind up being caught between two minds here because the Pedri and Dembele missing injury point winds up looming large, where I go, that fact is making me worried about the next few weeks because I don't think this Barca team can function without them. But in the same respect, where I do kind of just say, hey, can they possibly play this worse again? I'm not sure. Because as I said, in Europe, which is now done, in Europe, the group I mentioned before in Alonso and Eric and Roberto and Alba and Kessie and at this point, Torres and Ansu, that grouping is not quality enough. Like maybe some of those, maybe two or three of those players, you can pick them up and say, yes, they can be numbers 19 through 25 in that group in the squad, right? To reinforce the squad or 17 through 25 and they're fine, or 14 through 25, and they're fine. But that group in totality, no, you have to enhance that group, and one or two or three of those players has got to be swapped out and replaced so that this team has the depth and quality to compete in Europe. That's just the way the squad is. Like They're too weak on the bottom half, and they, you have to have a few more players that Xavi can trust, at least 17 to 19, to be able to compete in, in Spain, in the Liga, and the Copa, and the Spanish Super Cup, and Champions League, that's what you need. You need 20 to 22 players to be able to compete across all competitions. But my argument here is that there is, there is something to be said about the way the Liga has dropped a bit. And that group, that group has to be good enough for the Liga. You cannot, have, you cannot come away from Almeria and say, Roberto was not good enough against Almeria. Or Eric Garcia, get him out of my club, he's not good enough for Almeria. Like those things can't be true. Like Eric Garcia is useful against Almeria, against a local. Well, and the thing is, too, I mean, it's like crap. Like that's what it is. Like I I think that's the first time in 442 podcasts I've ever actually like that's a weird word, but I think they they actually played like utter crap in 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 90 minute game. Yeah, and I think so. To your earlier point, I think you know the guys that you you mentioned as broadly speaking in in top European competition just are not good enough. In general, I agree with you. You know, if they, if that's kind of if that's your if that's the attack you're going in with, or the lion's share of the attack you're going in with, I agree that it's not good enough. But the thing is that just given the talent that resides within those guys, if enough of them, I mean, never mind all of them, if enough of them are on their day, I mean, that could be enough for any given match against, with few exceptions, just about any competition. I mean, not okay, they're not going to go knock off, you know, Man City, PSG, you know, Real Madrid regularly. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that, you know, that group can turn in an excellent performance for you. And I think what you said, I mean, there there are a few exceptions. The, the interesting thing that you said is, and it's what kind of jumped out at me, is there's not really anyone to single out as the, the person who made horrible, catastrophic error after error after error. It's just more so it was the absence of good stuff. Like, yeah. like you said, it's just there was there wasn't necessarily anything glaringly wrong with any any one person's performance. It was just like there, yeah, there wasn't that just there wasn't that much right with anything that, that anybody did. 
even yeah, even even the goal. Like again, I made yeah. the mistake because I again I I misremembered in my own head when I made the five headlines that Eric Garcia was the one that committed not even the error, but that got bested by Torre. Yeah. Straight up got bested. That, but no, yeah, it was, that's really honestly what it was, and it was, it was just it was an honest like it was a competitive moment, and yeah, and it was Christen, got the better of the other, and it was one of the first times this season that Christensen has kind of given a little bit and and yep. given that kind of goal up, and so it was you know kind of surprising. Again, I I memory I watched the game, I watched the goal like three or four times even, and and I just I still said Eric Garcia and still went in on Eric about it, and it was Christensen the whole time. And mm-hmm. to to go back to the reliance point too, to your as what you're saying about you know not bringing the good as opposed to just being neutral, uh, not being bad, just not bringing the good is my concern about how much that back line even relies on Araujo. Yeah. That, that that combination in itself in Alba and Eric in Roberto, three of the backups that Xavi has to play at least on that back line as they, as they're being nicknamed back, you know, Balde and Araujo, not Alonso, Araujo, Christensen, yeah. Kunde of that, that four at the back that you have to start at least two of the four of them. And that is a concern when you are having rotating fatigue. And I think it is really interesting to tell, too, the way this season and how many... The idea that we were going to have, that even if Barcelona can contend for certain trophies at the start of this year, you always knew because of the transfer windows, the financial issues, the limitations, you always knew that depth was going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. And I think Barcelona have been fortunate. You know, I think, as I said at the time, they earned those one nothing wins. They earned those one-goal victories over that stretch there. And they deserve to be at the top table in Liga. Like they've been the most consistent and good team week in and week out. And yeah, they have more talent than everyone else in the Liga. And that's why they're leading the table by seven. Like they've they've earned it. They they should be in that spot. It's not a fluke that they're up by seven no. against Real Madrid. Like at this point, again, they should be up by ten, but they're up by seven still because they've earned that that point. But again, going back to the rotation of this team, Xavi has you can question it, he and he got frustrated in the post game too. You ask why don't you rotate more? because players need to be playing and inform like Kessie wasn't playing all that time. But then when you rotate, you're rotating too much and you're not getting a result. And then people are questioning you. And then as you're not getting those results and you're having to, and you're not rotating, then again, you have Kunde and Araujo and Lewandowski. And it's no surprise. I think to me that Kunde wasn't amazing against Manchester United in either leg. Like he, he was not a net positive. He's one of the ones that I think could have played better. And you, it comes out that Kunde is dealing with fatigue. You ask, oh, Lewandowski is going on this awful run of form by his standards, and he's dealing with fatigue, and now he's injured. Yeah. Exactly. And, so it's like yeah. it seems like this season, when you're saying, oh, that player's not playing well, or they're in a poor run of form, then the very next game or the very next week, then they're injured, and it's yeah. a problem. Which I think takes us to our final point here, the final segment of the show, is that Copa del Rey, leg one. Now you're missing you're missing Pedri for both of them, as as things stand. And Deb Mele should be back for the second. But for the first leg, I mean, you're, you're missing everybody, especially up top. It's been different parts of the season where Champions League, you're missing the back line. The Manchester United, Europa League, you're missing the midfield. Now against uh, Real Madrid and El Clasico in Copa del Rey, now you're missing <laughs> your front line. And so the only... So, uh, the only... It's, well, Lewandowski's out. Dembele is out. And uh, Ansu's out. And, um, well, Ansu is, Ansu is not in training today. Right. Back to training tomorrow. So that says that he should be on the bench. And I mean, I mean, if we're going to get right into it, I think there's only one way that Xavi plays this game. I think he's going to start with the midfield for the box midfield that he had some success against in the Spanish Super Cup. But obviously mm-hmm. the, the face and the names are all different. So I think <laughs> right. Aaron Torres starts as your nine because mm-hmm. you don't have any other options. And then Rafinha is on the right. 
And then I think the box four you have is is Kessie and Gabi, and then DeYoung and Busquets. And that's your your foursome okay. in 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 the box because again you don't have any. The other option is Pablo Torre. The other oh. option up top is Anhar Alarcon. And then your back line, I think you go for broke. You if healthy, or I mean if if able to start, then you do go with the the four the, at the back. The, in the big four. Yeah. Yeah, but it sounds like you know Araujo, if he was good enough to come off the bench the way he did, I guess he's fine. And if Kunde yeah. is still doing it that tightness, maybe he can't start. And then you, I mean, I think Xavi did drop a little hint that Roberto might start against Real Madrid El Clasico. So I think at the at the back, then you start because Alba just started. You start Balde, and then you start. Well, so it'd be Balde Araujo, um, I guess Sergio Roberto and Christensen, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then, yeah. I mean, that's it's not not the best, exactly. Fine. But but you know, it's it's, it's fine. I think it's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's it's good enough. You know, you can. You can work with that. But can you? Can you work with Ferran Torres as your nine up top? I mean, maybe. Oh, no, I don't know. I don't know. He, I mean, he's been putting in more performances lately. So, I mean, I think it's he's looked he's looked better. I don't know if he's your nine. Like, I don't know if that's going to yeah. – I don't know if that's going to yield the results that, that you necessarily want. But, I mean, I think it sort of has – in a weird way, it kind of has to be him. He's not a he's not a target man. Like he's not a. I, I don't think of him as sort of a pure number nine. So he's not. But, no, no. Yeah. So I mean, it's but if he has to occupy that role in a little bit, you're you know he's he's miscasting that role, and I mean it's out of necessity. I think they're going to have to manufacture. They're going to have to manufacture something. I mean, unfortunately, the the game plan may call for Javi to task task these guys with another. At least, ideally, I don't want to say conservative, but at least sort of a a defense forward mindset, mm-hmm. and try to, I mean, almost just try to Mourinho it, you know, I mean, and uh, just either keep it close, goal is draw at home, you know, one 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 nip a one nil, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a replay of the the Super Copa final or anything like that. No, but I, I do think that that left side from Real Madrid is still vulnerable. That is not something mm-hmm. that they have fixed. If you watch them. Yeah. And so you do have, it is a razor's edge thin margin, but there is this world where Balde gets forward into the middle and creates some chaos at some point in that match. Yeah. There's this idea that De Young working with Balde on the left, something can happen. Again, I don't expect Gabi to have the showing that he did. I hope that he can rebound and, re- and bounce back from that. And unlike last season where I felt like he did have a few poor games in a row when he would have a poor game, yeah. this season I think, Gabi has pretty much always bounced back. Even if he was like not great in one match, he was always just fine the next one. So I, I think that Gabi has the potential to bounce back. And I think that left side for Barcelona is going to be absolutely crucial to yeah. this game. And I, I think, I don't know, I would hope that Barcelona go into this match. And it's been a frustration of mine with, with this club for a long time. And I think, I don't know why Sergio Busquets' face does this to me, but I feel like Busquets just does such a poor job <laughs> visualizing to that team as the captain that they are the underdogs in a certain situation. I think this is a team that I don't know what it is, but when they are the underdogs by a team like Real Madrid or Bayern or whoever, they just kind of allow the other team to put their face in it. Even if they they have, they play like the, it's like, yeah, they play like the inferior team when they are the, the underdog in recent, you know, recent campaigns against Bayern and, you know, every meaning, you know, sort of prior to the Copa, you know, the Super Copa final, you know, every sort of semi-meaningful match they've played against Real Madrid the last couple of years. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they're, it's not, yeah, the, the scene, I think you're right with the, I don't know about the, the Busquets, Busquets bit of it. That's going to be interesting. That'll probably linger as I watch the match 
and probably seep into my head, but this team doesn't seem to do well punching above its weight. Uh, where they've really made hay, obviously, is just being, you know, sort of consistently and being very sure defensively and making their defensive superiority show. But yeah, it would be nice for them now to, in this competition, which I suppose in a way is somewhat similar to the Super Cup of Final, but this is, you know, yet another domestic cup competition against what is a, a superior opponent. It would be nice to see them, especially Shrandon, really just show a sharpness, a grit, and a, a fight that so often in these, in exactly these types of scenarios seems to go missing. Well, yeah, I think Xavi is probably going to likely do a very safe thing, and that is say, hey, okay, if we have Dembele back and potentially Lewandowski back for that second leg, mm-hmm. then we just have to survive here in this one. Yeah. We just have to figure out a way to not to not take our... As, it's also at the San Diego Bernabeu, so it's like at, on the road, let's just try not to lose. Just weather uh, the storm, yeah. Lose the tie. Yeah, don't lose the tie yeah. and whatever. But the other part of me is like, and thinking about Busquets and Alba and Roberto and leaders on the team and things like that in the locker room, they of course get a lot of criticism about the mentality, about the the how the European failures, about all those nights, and about a team that just seems to be lacking intensity. Xavi gets the same criticism, and so for me, it's interesting because I understand what Xavi is going to do and what he should do, honestly, with the lack of depth that he has. Again, maybe you see Ansu on late, but that's not going to. In theory, that doesn't change the game the way you would expect it to. And then I expect him to throw on Alba as and push Balde forward as the left winger. I expect him to throw Alonso on somehow as like another extra body in the box because he's pretty good in the air. And that's pretty much your options. That's what you got. <laughs> Those are your choices because yeah. we're going to throw away Mark Casado on the bench, and and that's really all you got. But well, that's all the, that thing, said, the decision tree doesn't have that many branches, which is really no. unfortunate. And, yeah. and that's why this is, I think this is the interesting thing about La Liga and Copa del Rey and the difference between the two competitions. I think Barcelona do well in the Copa del Rey and they've historically done well to, to Copa del Rey and they should have some kind of mental superiority in that competition. They have dominated that the way that, that Real Madrid does the Champions League. And unfortunately, yes, if those were switched and Barcelona was the Copa del Rey Barcelona in the Champions League, well, then they, we'd be talking about those two teams. Very, very different in world football. But to, to that point, I, I think that I would love to see. Again, I'm I'm not going crazy about Torre and Alarcon and, and the youth and those kind of things. But when you have these kind of one-off games or you know games to be decided in 180 minutes, I, I mean, Europe is something different. But against Real Madrid, like go for it. Go for it. In that second half, you don't have any other options. So in the 70th minute, don't wait to the 85th minute. In the 70th minute or 65th minute, give me Pablo Torre. Give me Ana Halagan. And because, I mean, and again, if 25 minutes, if you trust your back four, I'd rather, I'd rather lose by that extra goal and die by that extra goal than to have not taken those chances and take that back. Because again, I, I think especially against Real Madrid, you just, you got to go for it at times. And I think the last two times they beat Real Madrid, the 4 nothing and the 3-1, that was two teams that went for it really early and just punched Real Madrid in the mouth, were ready for it, and they watched Real Madrid crumble. So you, you can do that. And Real Madrid is going to do the same thing to you. If Real Madrid go up 2 nothing, that game is as good as done. It's over if Real Madrid are up, are up 2 nothing because Barcelona are not going to come back with the lack of depth and quality that they have against a Real Madrid team that, as you saw against Liverpool, they know what to do. And, and even against 10-man Atletico Madrid, like it looked like they were going to find a way to lose one nothing to Atletico Madrid, which has been awesome, but they still find a way to capture a point through a 17-year-old kid, and that's, it's just what Real Madrid does. Like They can play poorly and still find a way to get results. And Barcelona, I think, yes, you could say they did that, but 
I don't know. I'm not. I'm not okay with that. Saying that those one nothings. I think those one nothings earlier in the season, Barcelona were playing just fine. And yeah, they didn't capitalize on more. But that to, to to go back to that. This is my final point of this show, and then I'll give you the final word here. To go back to that point on leadership, that the likes of Busquets and Roberto and Alba and stuff, you don't see their leadership because, as you know, to go back to the NBA comparison, those teams that know how to manage a long season can win the Liga. They can win. Like you go, okay, week to week, hey, we survived. That's great. Let's be proud of the points we suffered for. And we're going to capture the Liga at the end of the day. And I think their leadership is viewed in these, again, 90-minute European nights or these one-off games, right? And fortunately, this leadership got the Spanish Super Cup, which was a surprise, I think, because it was a one-off game that this leadership was able to capture against Real Madrid. So you don't get to see, again, the quality of their leadership because it happened over the course of a season by telling a young player like, hey, you got to go to the gym the next day or, hey, come back for training tomorrow or eat right or do the little things on the margins that win you La Liga as opposed to these 90 minutes where you just capture in a bubble. How was Alba a leader in 90 minutes against Real Madrid in the Copa del Rey? You're not going to see that. And that those competitions, though, is where the exuberance of youth can be really helpful. Those are the 90 minutes where you go, hey, Pablo Torre, do you want to be at Barcelona next year? Do you want to be? A, do you want to wear this badge? Like you can do it. Like you, Anahal Alakan, do you want to be in the first team next year? You can do it in 20 minutes against Real Madrid. Like you can earn your spot right now. And if you can find that kind of leadership for those young players in the one-off competitions, then I mean, I think that goes a long way. And that's how I would approach it. But again, I know that Xavi is going to approach it differently because you just have to survive at the Santiago Bernabeu. I understand both arguments. I I totally get where you're coming from, and I think that makes a lot of sense. And I. I think what Busquets, Alba, and Sergio Roberto, who I think are the right three to kind of single out, is the the outfield old guard. Yeah, I mean, so much of their recent successes, I mean, I know there's been like Copa del Rey and stuff like that, but it was under Valverde, it was winning the league and stuff like that. And I know, of course, you know, a lot of that was with, with Messi and Toe also, so that obviously changes everything. But yeah, I think those guys are very well suited to, like you said, the... The, the grind of the grind of the league. They they know how to put in performances. They know how to put in just you know fairly consistent performances. And and this is I think where you know when you think about the the greatest heights, even just of the last you know seven eight years, the you know whether it was the trouble or stuff like that, you know it was obviously there was Messi, but it was it was Iniesta. It was you know I mean not even Neymar. You know in the in the huge remontada against uh, PSG in the the second leg that one time. I mean those were the guys that over ninety minutes could explode like i don't think there. i don't know what the like if you tell me if you tell me that there was a game and you're like man sergio busquets <laughs> sergio roberto and jordi alba just like they exploded i would be more it would be easier for me to tragically literally envision that happening than envision some sort of like neymar suarez messi-esque like you know just dominating a game and just captivating and that's not what they are well, I have to look back to it and I feel like, you know, my match five headlines covers is usually really helpful for me to even like, I look yeah. at the JPEGs and I go, okay, why did I pick those two players? Yeah. It's usually I try to pick the two best players for Barcelona, the mm-hmm. ones that I really wanted to focus on, or if they lose the ones that disappointed me. Yeah. And, <laughs> and when I look back on the, I, I did this a few weeks ago, when I look back on the last few seasons, Alba winds up making like three covers a year right. and Busquets winds up making, making about three to four covers a year mm-hmm. as well or less. But yeah, I mean, I think there are three to four to five se- uh, games a season where you go, okay, that was the reason. Like Alba just showing out was a reason yeah. that Barcelona won that game or took place. And Busquets is the same way. Like Busquets is very steady, sure. But even this season, 
it's like, yeah, like three or four times, Busquets was so good, so masterful. You're like, hey, Barcelona got points because they just controlled that game to their primary captain. And you're right, they, they, they don't. They don't have match after match after match. And that job, is the expectation of that is Frankie de Young. Yeah. I know I said I was going to have the final word, but like Frankie de Young, if he, as he did in, uh, in the Spanish Super Cup, if you go away from that, that midfield group, because without Pedri and Gabi, I mean, Gabi was the guy though, in, again, in the Spanish Super Cup. So he was, yeah. I mean, Gabi was awesome. And Pedri was awesome. And those, those were the two best midfielders. And so this time, if Frankie de Young is the best midfielder on that field, Barcelona still have a chance. And if Gabi and, and Pusquets are in, a, a net positive, regardless of what Kessie gives you, I think that, you know, Barcelona can take something from that game because Real Madrid desperately need, I mean, look at the way Atletico Madrid had success against them. They said, Hey, Luka Modric, you're going to get, you know, occasions of moments, but you're, we're going to try to shut it down. And yeah. if you can shut down Modric and shut down that creativity, we've seen in recent weeks, Kamavinga has not beaten them, especially playing left back. And mm-hmm. Cruz has not really beaten anybody as he's also been kind of injured and, and not healthy recently. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, same thing with Chumani. Chumani has not been fit either. So in the midfield, in Fede Valverde has kind of progressed in the last few weeks as well. He has yeah. not been, been, been totally amazing in firing all cylinders. So if you can find a way to kind of quiet Vinny Jr. a little bit, not let Benzema get his, and you'd hope that the combination of Kunde and Araujo and Christensen, those three can handle Vinny and Benzema, then yeah. you go the rest of form and say, hey, I know that they did a Liverpool thing last week, but hey, I mean, yeah, it's this weird thing because because the the benches are totally different. It's the Real Madrid's bench is a B plus, and right now Barcelona's bench is a D minus. Oh, but yeah. as far as the starting 11s, I think Real Madrid's is like again a, a B plus, mm-hmm. uh, A minus somewhere in there, and even this version, Barcelona's like a B minus. Yeah, so it's like, exactly. I, mean, I, I don't think our parents should be that disappointed in us either way, right? Like, no, both exactly. kids come home with grades where you go, yeah, I mean, you did your best. Yeah, no one's getting punished. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, I mean, Madrid, I, yeah, I think they have the better starting 11, but yeah, it's not orders of magnitude better. It's not, they will be favored, of course, but I don't, I, I wouldn't call them, you know, prohibitive favorites or anything like that in the, in the match. Obviously, it's De Young, you know, what is it, two days from now against Madrid and just, for as long as, you know, Pedri's out and just, you know, frankly, whenever the team needs him, it's Dion's time to really kind of put his, or I guess continue, but really sort of establish himself as that, you know, when, when everything's falling apart, you can count on me sort of guy. When everything's falling apart, slash, we're, we're shorthanded, you know, and, and, the, and the sparks are gone. And because, yeah, the last game was interesting. Like you said, I don't think Dion was particularly bad, but, you know, like so many of the others, he wasn't particularly great, but it almost felt like, um, and maybe I'm making too much of it. Maybe it's kind of seared in my brain a little, a little too, I don't know, too aggressively or something. But in a weird way, I felt like Barca played without both Pedri and Gabi, or at least sort of, but they played without the Gabi that, that we typically get, you know what I mean? And so I think in a weird way, if you get back a, the genuine version of Gabi, you know, where he's not, he's not frustrated and he's, his head's in the game the entire time. And he's not just, he's not sort of, you know, grumbling and, and pissed off. I think that will also make a, a massive difference. So, I mean, I, I think those two in the midfield are probably arguably the, the two most important players for Barca, most important players for Barca. I mean, I guess Araujo and Christensen at the back too, are, you know, obviously going to be huge just in, dealing with with Benzema and 
Vinny and, you know, but, but I think of the forward six, yeah. I mean, those two are, a lot is going to fall on them, but I mean, they've shown that they can do it. They just, they, they need to both do it on the, on the same night and in a, in a very hostile environment. Yeah. I mean, it, this system has such a reliance as we have seen this season, the top five most important players have been in, in no particular order, Pedri, Dembele, Lewandowski, Araujo, and Ter Stegen. And Barcelona will be without three of those five against Real Madrid and for the next few weeks as well. So, yep, there is, uh, again, hope is a thing uh, with feathers. That's, that's what we always say. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so there's, there should be a little bit of hope. And uh, I do hope that you at least try to enjoy the show. Again, it's a frustrating one because results have not gone Barcelona's way in the last week after again. I always tell you, savor those what, 13, 14 game unbeaten streaks? <laughs> Savor yeah. them. They it's don't, easy to they don't take those things for granted. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't last forever. So don't take those for granted. And I, I hope I haven't taken our listeners for granted either. But uh, if you feel like I have, let me know on Twitter or Instagram, at the Barcelona pod, TikTok as well. I can tell you, though, too, if you're a Barcelona fan, those Manchester United fans, they let me know that I'm unappreciated on TikTok <laughs> and, and YouTube comments or whatever. They, uh, even though Manchester won, oh my gosh, I think it's called banter over there. They, they really let me have it. So anyway, you can listen to the show and support the show without the ads on Patreon. That's a big help over there. And then on YouTube, all that comment as well. Again, I, I'd love to see more Kool-Aids in there because, again, the Manchester United fans are so hanging around. They're lingering even after they're winning the game and letting me hear it on YouTube as well. So thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Of course, bye. Bye.